Right, so the, uh, the reading this evening is taken from Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This is the word of the Lord. There we are. This will be, come as a great surprise to you, but let me introduce Stuart to... <laughs> there we go. This is Stuart, uh, and this is part of Cameron, who's part of He's coming with him from uh, Christchurch in Fulham. Stuart is uh, vicar of Christchurch uh, Fulham. I've known Stuart. You said four years to, to, this morning, and actually... It's longer. It's, it's longer. It's six years. It's flown by, hasn't it? Pleasure is all yours. Absolutely. <laughs> Stuart and I met when Stuart came to teach Living Free at our theological college uh, in, in Bristol, which I was part of. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, yeah you've, uh, you've known, you were actually at school? I was at school with Jonathan. Yeah. So there you go. He doesn't look old enough, does he? That's what we're supposed to say. You're trying to, you're trying to you're oh, just make up for the fact. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so if you want to know school stories about Jonathan, this is the man to, to talk to. Uh, it's what just occurred to me. But yeah. And uh, Stuart will also be coming to our Hothorpe in next year to, to speak to us uh, and has been really involved in getting Living Free kind of into a UK context. We do Living Free, obviously, here, as we are doing at the moment in this evening. Fantastic. I'm going to pray for you guys um, before you uh, come and speak to us. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for Stuart. I thank you uh, and, and for Cameron for bringing them to us this evening. And Lord, I pray uh, this evening that you would speak to him and through him to us. Lord, that you would open our hearts to hear your word. And Lord, I pray, we've just been singing and been praying about stirring a passion, Lord. I pray that we would be passionate about your word and passionate about seeing you at work in our lives and beyond us. And Lord, as Stuart speaks this evening, would you continue to be stirring that passion within us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Hi, everybody. So we, um, the three of us came this morning. We had Anna with us, and she had to go back because she's... She's traveling tomorrow with her work. Um, but we've been seeking the Lord through the week to share something prophetic with you guys. <clears throat> and so I'm going to let Cameron go and share what he received this morning and what Anna received this morning. And then I'll share what I've had um, from the Lord this week. Really? Um, yes, yep, I'm on. Yep, you're on. So I was told that this place is a house for all. Um, everyone is welcome. 
people come through the door a lot and they feel welcome. It's also time to open the front doors, to let more people in, call people in, in the spirit that is. Ask, if the, Lord, ask the Lord exactly how to do this. He will do it for you and in you. He will do the hard work, but St. Paul's will be used as a tool of his actions. God loves the heart for the lost that St. Paul's has. He also loves the worship here, and he loves the love. The prophetic will flow in the church, and pray for more hands, remembering that the harvest is promised to be plentiful, and be blessed with love and unity, and that's the stuff that I got. What you don't need to, need to know is when we, we arrived this morning, we came in, uh, we parted car that side of the church and walked up the road this way. And then when we came back this evening down from staying with um, Adam and Jess, we parked the car here and walked past your old front door. And he went, that's the door. That's the door I saw in the spirit when I was praying. So that's kind of one of those little confirmation things like, oh, that's more than just a nice word. There's something... We don't know what it means. It's like it's for you guys to pray into. But that was really quite interesting that it would be actually physically manifested as the door he saw in the spirit when he was praying for the church. It's always nice, isn't it? Um, and Anna, um, she got an image of birds pecking at walls, bringing down walls, and sort of asked the Lord what that means. Um, and it was to say it's time to sort of rebuild bigger um, not physically, not saying that this isn't a great place to be, but uh, to rebuild the church, but like to sort of supernaturally do so. We were trying to do justice to what Anna said. It was uh, that God was, uh, was, was going to cause some of your norms to break down to create new norms which give you more space in the spirit. That was her word, and she said new things are coming. He says it better. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Um, I saw, um, how many of you know, have ever seen an uh, image of one of those listening stations, those military listening stations, with those big white sort of spheres that say, you know what, do you know what I'm talking about? They're called radomes, which, and that's radar domes. And basically, they are very, very, very thin white um, substance, which creates this dome, so that the, the highly complex and brilliant radar listening devices that listen all over the world are not influenced at all by the fact that they're being covered and the cover is to protect them from the weather. When I was growing up in Yorkshire, there was one near us, at a place called Menwith Hill, which had about 30 of these things. Some were quite small, some were really big, some were like 100 foot high, some were like 25 foot high. Um, and if you just put, a, put Menwith Hill in to your search engine, you will see pictures of it come up. And I thought, when I was praying for you this week, God showed me that God was, part of God's intention for St. Paul's is that you are a listening center, a prophetic church, that here's what God is saying, here's what the enemy is doing, so you can be strategically positioned to hear and respond in prayer and in the Spirit. And that's something God has for you, that's something for you to walk into, but it's significant for Leamington but it's also significant wider because you, God has given you authority as he's given us authority to impact the nation in prayer, not just your immediate locality. So those are three words. I had a word which I put into a sermon or a talk this morning, 
about God taking you as a church on a journey. I'm not going to get into that tonight because Adam's asked me to speak onto something else attached to the Living Free teaching. But I would just encourage you maybe go listen to that because that was like a 35-minute word into the church um, about the journey of adventure he's taking you into. So I just commend that to you. All right? Thank you. Thanks, Cameron. Everyone put your hand on your heart. God, I pray tonight that you would drop into our hearts a shaft of light that would show, line up with the word and with truth and with the kingdom, with the word for this church tonight. We don't want to just have sermons and accumulate sermons and be sermon tasters. Lord, we want you to speak to us and we want you to change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to try and speak from sitting on the stool. So you guys, I built, are you week three into teaching on living free in the evening services? Cool. So at the heart of living free, the teaching living free, is the call for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up. To wake up to her authority in the spirit to wake up to her anointing in God, and to wake up to what it, to at least to begin to, to, to um, experiment, to, to, to press into, what the heck does it mean that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places? Because that's got to make a difference to your life. You can't be like, oh, that's a nice word, and then life goes on like normal. Because that, it has, it, God has given you a place of exalted spiritual authority in the spiritual realm, you're the, top of, you're the top of the tree. You're far above, not just above, far above all rule, authority, and dominion. There's not a demonic power or a demonic spirit that the enemy can throw at you, including himself, that is not under your feet. Now, that doesn't matter if we don't understand there's war. If we don't get there's a war, then you don't really need weapons. You just be nice to people. But if there is actually a war... You need every weapon at your disposal, and you know, need to know how to use it. Living Free has the mandate to awaken us to the authority, identity, and the call of God in our lives to be supernatural men and women. We use a phrase which is, goes something like this. Jesus did not die to make bad people good, but natural people, Supernatural. If we had a couple of hours, I'd immediately get you into a group and say, okay, talk about what the heck does that mean and what's the difference? Because for a long time in the church in this nation has really focused on making bad people good. So you're not being good, morally good, behaving yourself, talking nicely, being nice. Whilst the powers of darkness have pursued power. The occults pursued power. They don't care about nice and they don't care about morals. And they have gained the upper hand in our nation. You haven't woken up to that. Wake up to it tonight. Jesus is Lord, but right now in our nation, the powers of darkness have the upper hand over over our streets and our cities and our schools and our media. And we need to wrestle it back. We need to take it back. We need to go to war. And only you can fight the war you have in your remit. Your own personal remit is different to mine. 
But only you can fight the war that you've got in front of you. No one else can do it for you. So Living Free is about waking up the bride, Sleeping Beauty, to her identity as a royal bride, the bride of Christ. Now, we're going to, Adam's asked me to talk about authority tonight, and it's a, it's a huge and a critical topic if we're going to understand what it means to live as sons and daughters of the living God, as men and women who are called to war and to be warriors. Warriors, that's W-A-R-I-O-R-S, not warrior as in extremely anxious people. We're called to be warriors. That means being under authorities, we'll see in a minute. So let me, let me start with the story. A friend of mine called Cindy, um, she and her husband Mike ran a church. And they were teaching their church about supernatural warfare, about taking authority over demonic powers and exercising authority over them in daily life. And what they were finding was everyone thought that they could do that because they were the pastor and his wife and they were like the professionals. And as much as they seemed to encourage everyone, look, the word says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy to the whole body of Christ. No one seemed to be taking the authority and moving in it. God gave Cindy a dream one night which changed everything. When she shared it, it changed the whole mindset of the church. So I'm going to share it with you tonight because it had a big impact on me as well. In the dream... She is, in, in the spirit, she's watching a young couple praying for a person, and there's a demonic spirit on their shoulder. And whatever they say, whatever they do, this thing laughs at them and doesn't move. In the dream, she comes down into the room in which they are, and she's watching this going, why can't they deal with it? And then there's this enormous bang! And she turns around in the dream and she sees two angels kick their way through the door of the room and walk into the room. They walk over to the girl, they take the demon by the scruff of the neck and they throw it on the ground and they say this, you do what they say. Whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. When we start moving in authority, we activate the angelic realm to walk with us. We funny little humans have the most extraordinary authority in the spirit realm because we have great forces with us. More are with us than are with them. If you know the words of Elijah and Gehazi, more are with us than are with them. And he who is in us is greater, say greater, than he who is in the world. Now, if you want to activate that level of authority in your life, and you want to move in the authority that Christ has given us to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to raise the dead, to do signs and wonders, to preach the gospel with power, if you want to move in that supernatural remit of authority, you need to come under authority. Authority is a dirty word in our culture. Probably always has been, but was particularly began to be a dirty word, postmodernism. 
Around about the 60s, things began to shift, and rebellion began to be seen as, as a wonderful thing. And pretty much any film, I was chatting with Adam about it this afternoon, are there, um, with um, Cameron about it this afternoon, are, how many films are there ever where the people in authority are the goodies and the rebels are the baddies? It's always the other way around. As a Star Wars fan, it's always the other way around. The rebels are the goodies, and it's the bad old authority that are keeping everybody down. So we like go, yay, rebels! Boo, authority. That's replicated throughout our culture, especially in our culture now. And yet you've got to understand authority and the principle of authority according to the scriptures. Because if you don't get this, it's a bit like not getting gravity. Good luck trying to live life thinking that gravity is just a bad idea and it shouldn't have been formed. Who are these scientists that tell me that gravity works? You know, there's an old joke about the guy who committed suicide and jumped out of a sixth-floor window. And as he's coming down, someone heard him on the third floor saying, so far, so good. At some point, you're going to hit the ground. And it's the same as the issue with authority. If you overturn authority and don't understand it, you are a train wreck waiting to happen. Let me explain to you why. Now, Matthew chapter 8 was the scripture that was so beautiful read a few minutes ago. And in Matthew chapter 8, we have this dynamic. Can we pop it up on the screen, please? We have this dynamic where Jesus enters Capernaum and the centurion, what is the centurion? He's a soldier. He has a hundred men under his command. And he comes to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies down paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? So far, so good. Fairly standard sort of biblical gospel moment where someone's in need and Jesus says, yes, I'll come and heal. But then everything shifts with this, what he says in verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man, notice it doesn't say in authority. For I myself am a man, what's it say? Can everyone say under? under? Under authority. With soldiers under me. Have you missed the point, Centurion? I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And said to the Centurion, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, a lot of times in our culture today, people get squirmish when they start talking about soldiers and warfare. The agenda seems to be that intrinsically it's always bad and we shouldn't really be supportive of soldiers. But what's happening here is Jesus totally affirms this man because he's got something. So what's he got? Okay, so let's take, this is the, so I'm the centurion, okay? Let's say our centurion is five foot ten, okay? And let's say he's got 100 guys under his command. A lot of them are going to be over six foot and much bigger than him. So he says to one, go, and he goes. And the other one, come, and he comes. Because he's the centurion. But what is it about him being a centurion that enables him to say to someone who is a six foot four hulk of a man who doesn't want to go and clean the latrines, why would he go when a guy smaller and weaker than him tells him. Why do you think? The audience response is fine. You're allowed to say. 
Why do you think that he would go? Because he's got the whole weight of Rome going all the way up to Caesar behind him. So if the guy says no, well, the centurion may not be physically able to make him, he knows a bunch of six foot eight soldiers who have Rome's support who are going to take this guy out, and that's the end of him. Like the couple who are trying to do with the demon and the angels step in, there's a weight of authority behind them that's way more powerful than the demon. And this man, this centurion, sees this chain of command. He says, I too, and I'll say, Jesus, I see this in you. I'm a man under authority. We're both men under authority. I can say to soldiers, come and they come and go and they go. But you, Jesus, you're under authority because you can say to sickness, go and it goes. He sees the heavenly chain of command behind Jesus and he understands how it works. But the key in relation to Jesus, is Jesus lives under authority. Jesus is not just doing what Jesus wants. He is doing what the Father shows him to do and the Spirit directs him to do. He is not a freelancer. That's interesting. He's not a freelancer. He's under authority. Now, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends the 72 out. And they come back to him, and they say, they're so, they're, they're so excited, because do you know what they say? They say, Lord, even the demons, what? Submit to us. Now, the word submit is a military word. It's the word hupotasso, which means to come under authority. The disciples have gone out on the commission of Jesus with his delegated authority, they've gone, and even the demons come under their authority. They're seeing the same thing that Jesus does, the centurion scene, because there is an order of authority in the heavenly realms. And when you're under God's authority, all the powers of darkness are under yours. And they have to come under your command and authority, because there are these 45-foot angels at your beck and call who are going to come in right on the back of you and take them out. That's why God is called the Lord God of the armies of heaven. And the armies of heaven are the heavenly warriors. And for Christians who follow Christ, they walk with you every day. We have an, what's called an open heaven. That means the angels ascend and descend on you. Every time it says they ascend and descend, it says they ascend and descend, not they descend and ascend. If they ascend and descend, where do they start? With us. The angels are walking with you. In fact, they're waiting for you to start using some authority because then they can come in on the back of it. And they're frankly rather bored of peticate prayers when you need to start moving in authority and start praying prayers like, be quiet, get out, be healed, be silenced. And you start moving in authority. Now we have a lot of funny reactions to the idea of authority. Don't we? 
What are, just, just, just brainstorm a moment. What are some of our, our negative reactions to the idea of coming under authority, would you say? Just call out a few. Some of the negative reactions to coming under authority. Don't like being told one to do. Absolute number one primo reason why we simply don't like authority. I like doing what I want to do, and I don't want anyone to tell me thank you very much indeed. Basic fallen man. What else? They don't know. What they're about. They don't know. So we have this like dismissive view of authorities that they don't know what they're talking about. I could preach a better sermon than that. I could lead the church better than that. Theresa May doesn't know what the heck she's doing. And what happens, it stirs up the spirit of criticism because we begin to think we could do better. And then you begin to undermine. It doesn't really matter, folks, whether you're conservative or, or labor or whatever. You speak honoringly of Theresa May. She is an authority over you. God hears your words. It's a big deal. You have no right to criticize you have every right to disagree, but no right to criticize, undermine, and diminish anyone in authority. It's absolutely where rebellion is begins to come out of our mouth and we start cursing people. So yeah, we, we think we know better. We don't want to be told what to do. What else? Probably one other biggie. Who do they think they are? Great. And as we'll see in a minute, they think they are who God told them they are, which is people of authority. Because that's how God created the earth, with authority in it. It's already in the earth, like gravity's in the earth. It's not something that got made up after the fall. It's actually there before the fall. There's another big one. Fear. I'm just going to fear. The fear that if I come under authority, I'm going to get used, abused, mistreated, and I'll lose my freedom which I cherish so highly. And those would all be completely natural, sinful reactions to authority. Let me say it again. Those would all be completely understandable and natural, but sinful responses to authority. They're part of the rebellion mindset. Don't need anybody. Do it on my own. Don't need anybody. But as we'll see in a minute, that's absolutely not the biblical position at all. Now, what about some of the, any, anyone good to call it anything positive about authority? What, anything that you think is positive about authority? Order. Yeah, we'll see in a minute. That's exactly what happens in Genesis. It brings shape and order. Are we meant to be the army of God? Anyone? Have you ever heard of an army without any authority? If everyone fights whichever battle they want to fight, Disaster. Then you never go and take something together. Then you never move forward and force together. Really important. Yeah, what else? Any other positives? Direction. Direction. The buck stops with somebody else. The buck stops with somebody else. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Security. Good authority, as we're saying, is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's how God created the planet with beautiful authority in it, it just got so twisted. We have to recover the true thing, not throw it out altogether. So here's a bit of scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And God set Adam in the garden to tend it and to keep it. 
Now, we're told, aren't we, he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the planet. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over everything that moves on the planet. So God has given them authority over Eden, but Eden's not fallen yet. Why would they need authority if nothing's wrong? Two reasons. One is to tend it, to use their authority to nurture the soil and the earth and look after it. That's their commission. A godly pastor, a godly boss, a godly leader, a godly um, uh, teacher, people who are in authority, and actually in this room, everyone's in authority over something, including the teenagers. You all have authority first off over your own body. It's your first place of authority, your own life. That's the first place you start to use your authority. That's when you begin to use your authority well there, you begin to use your authority well elsewhere. But, with authority, it is to bless and nurture. People who are in leadership are meant to nurture, bless, encourage, and strengthen people up, not keep them down and squash them. And we probably all in this room could have stories of harsh authority that squashed you. And we're like, oh, I don't like authority. I could tell you all sorts of stories from, my, from being both in church and outside of church and growing up. Bad authority and like... For me, this has been such a liberating teaching from, from like, I don't really want anything to do with authority. And because I didn't want anything to do with authority, I couldn't move in authority. That's the problem. You throw it out, you throw it out of your life as well. And you're left with nothing except rebellion. So he put Adam in the garden to tend it and to protect it. The word keep. It's like the keep of, a, of, a, of an old medieval castle or to gatekeep or to protect. He was meant to use his authority to protect the garden from who? The serpent. There was warfare before the fall. Did you know that? The fall happened because of warfare. Satan came and instead of protecting the garden and saying, get behind me, they went, oh, that apple good to eat. And they bent into his lie, and they handed their authority over to Satan when they fell. That's why Satan has authority on the planet, because man has handed him authority. That's why he can bring cancer and sickness and death and destruction and decay, and separation and isolation and all the damage that we see around us. If you want to be part of the answer, God's answer, to the mess of the world right now, you've got to come under authority as Adam and Eve were meant to have done, line up with his authority, and now you begin to begin to move in authority. Uh, if I had an umbrella, I, would put, I, I meant to bring it, but I forgot to bring it. I would have it put, yes, oh, look at that, thank you. So if, this is the principal idea. People will talk about coming undercover. There is authority in the earth, and you need to find... Oh, look at that. It's a really posh one, isn't it? You need to find a godly authority cover in your life. And you need to be a godly cover authority for the people who are around you that you're meant to be watching over. If you're a teacher, your kids at school are under your cover. If you're a manager of a department, the people in your, in, your, in, your, in your department are under your cover. If you're the captain of a football team, if you run a small group, if you run a practice, wherever God is where you've been given authority, you're meant to be a cover that protects and blesses by serving them and listening to God. Not by people-pleasing 
and do what everyone wants around you. That produces no cover at all. I've been ordained 30 years this September. I've been a Christian 40-something years. Two years. I've never heard a sermon on authority in an Anglican church. Ever. Because we don't talk about it. A bit embarrassing, a bit awkward. The idea of clergy as doormats, serving everybody, is a load of bunkum. Absolute cobblers. God has given us authority to protect and cover. Now, we cover by serving, but we don't cover by giving away our authority. And we need those Gandalf moments, if you know the Lord of the Rings, where we stand in the gap and we say to pornography and we say to lust and we say to, to, to mammon and we say to money and we say to temptation, you shall not pass. And you stand on your ground and you say you will not. And when you do that, men and women, you produce a cover of protection because you're standing in that gate that Adam and Eve didn't stand and you say, no, not on my watch, not under my cover. This is why it's a very big deal. If I'm a pastor and I open the door to pornography, if I'm a pastor and I open the door to adultery, if I'm a pastor and I open the door to fear of man, if I'm a pastor and I open the door to rejection and insignificance, guess what I let come straight into my church? Rejection, insignificance, fear, financial dishonesty, sexual sin. And that often hits the most prophetic people first, and they get taken out. So authority is a very, very big deal. But just as I'm in authority, but I'm under authority, you are in authority and you're under authority. And you've got to get this lining up thing. Now, in many ways, we're gonna, what we're going to do in about five minutes, we're going to have to have some Q&A. Because it should, if it does, this should provoke a million questions. And I've been given permission to give a little bit of time for Q&A. Because I think often in the questions, we get to kind of some of the issues. But let me just let me share a couple of things. Generally, the charismatic Christians go, yeah, we, we need to be under Jesus' authority. Get that. The bit we don't get is the idea that I've got to come under human authority. I don't want to come under human authority. God's okay, he's perfect. But humans, really? Okay, can you shove up Romans chapter 13, please? This is Romans 13. Okay, this is not me. I'm just teaching you Bible tonight. And if it shocks you or surprises you, please don't be. This is Bible front and center. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. So I've got to come under governing authorities, which includes Theresa May, hence my point earlier. For there is no authority except that which God has established. God has established authority in the earth. It's the principle. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You get that? I'm under the authority of the police, the legal system. I'm under the authority of my bishop. I'm under the authority of the politicians. And I can't just go two fingers up at you lot because I'm right and you're all wrong. I have to come under that authority and honor that authority. 
And then there are clearly times, biblically, when we have to resist authority. We could go the church in Germany in the 40s and 30s under Hitler. But most of the stuff we resist, want to resist, are things that we just annoy us. They're not fundamentally biblical issues. We just, as you said, lady said, I just don't like being told what to do. And when we can spot our own rebellion and call it rebellion and face it, you're 80% of the way to overcoming it. But most of us call it my preference, my opinion, my self-sufficiency, my independence. I can do what I want, can't I? Well, you can, but you will reap judgments on yourselves. If you want to go read a scary passage, go to Numbers and read the story of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. And a little bit later, Aaron, uh, Moses and, and Korah and Dathan and Abiram and the group of priests who want to take over the priesthood from Moses. They go, we hear God. Who are you, Moses? We, can, we, should, we, should, we should be in your position. You're just, who do you think you are? That's basically what they say. And they bring judgment down on themselves. Scary story, but I tell you what, you should be petrified of rebellion. And if you're not, you haven't got it. You haven't got the point yet. It's absolutely endemic in our culture, it's in church culture. Sometimes it's active rebellion. I will not do that. Who does he think he is calling us the kingdom prayer? Don't you know, I'm going to the cinema on that evening. And we have all this kind of independent self of my diary, my rights, my entitlement. It's all rampant rebellion, folks. The other side of rebellion is the passive rebellion. Yes, yes, what a great idea. Kingdom come. I like that idea. That's a brilliant idea. And then you just don't go. You just passive rebellion. Just don't go. Never talk. Just don't go. You vote with your feet. So there's all sorts of ways we just end up doing what we want to do because we want to do it, and we don't really listen to those whose authority we are under because it's just me and Jesus. That should be enough. Verse, can you go to the next verse? So he's talking about the, these, these authorities. They are God's servant, agents of wrath, to being punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Your conscience needs to be awakened to the fact that you're under authority of your, in this nation. And when we think about it, whose authority were they under in Rome at this time? Caesar, Nero, and to which Theresa May and the police are pussycats compared to that. So don't whine and don't gripe and don't grumble as though it's hard for you when these guys were in a totally different life and death situation and were still going to honor the authority. They may not have agreed and done everything they wanted, but they honored it. They got the fact that they were going to honor the authority they were under. And that's a very, very big deal. Now let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders, and submit to their authority. This is to the church of Jesus Christ. So this is to St. Paul's tonight, to every one of you. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do you notice they keep watch o- what? over you? That's the gatekeeping. That's the watching over. That's in the spirit. And they have to give an account. I, as the pastor of Christ Church Fulham, have to give an account to God of how I've led Christ Church Fulham. The buck stops 
between me and God. I can't say someone else did it. It's my authority. With my, and but for us, it's a team thing. So we work as a, a, a leadership as a team, which I think is the biblical way. Do this so that their work will be of joy, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. So let me give you some signs of rebellion. You think you know better. You think you hear God better than your leaders. You think they've got it wrong because it's inconvenient and annoying. You're quickly to be critical and to listen to other people being critical of leaders. You have a tendency to gossip and undermine, to justify your view. And you just don't like taking orders because it might cramp your style. And I can put my hand up to every single one of those. There's none of us in this room for whom rebellion is not a major issue. Now let me tell you why it's such a big deal. What did Satan do in heaven? Before he, so he was the chief worship leader in heaven, Lucifer. He set up a rebellion. He wanted to take over from God. And he swept a third of the angels with him. He festered a rebellion against God's authority because he wanted to do it his way. He was cast down to the earth, Revelation chapter 12. And therefore, on the earth, he's trying to promote rebellion in you and me so he can rob you of authority, bring division, lose the unity of the body of Christ, and bring destruction to your life. Because you open a door to rebellion, and a whole lot of stuff comes in, which is just a disaster. The front door to rebellion looks quite attractive. I'll do what I want, when I want, on my own terms. That's my freedom. Well, you can have that type of freedom if you want, but you've opened the door to the evil one into your life, which is kind of at the heart of living free. Sin isn't just naughty. It's downright dangerous. Because the demonic comes in on the back of sin, not just being naughty. That's why it's a big deal, this stuff. There's so much naivety in this day in the body of Christ, as though it was all done on our terms and it should be just all be nice and comfy and safe. It's not nice and comfy and safe, if you've not noticed. And so these things are profoundly important. And it's strong medicine. It's strong medicine, but it's really important medicine if you want to be a woman or a man who moves in authority in the spirit and can see the sick healed and the dead raised and the gospel preached and the kingdom manifest. If you want to see that, from the look of your face, I just, I just love the fact you do. <laughs> Clearly, you guys do. Well, this is, this is kind of where some of the rubber hits the road. It's not on our terms come under the authority of God, but I also come under the authority of people who are over me in the Lord. And I need to listen to their voice and honor them, take seriously what they say. And then we begin to line up as God's army and begin to move with force together where he wants us to go. Now, it's five to eight. You can have a large glass or something down at the pub after this. I want you to give you a chance in just a moment to make a decision over your life. 
to set your course for the rest of your days to honor authority, God's authority and those God puts around you, and to rebuke the spirit of rebellion, which is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's big stuff. I want to give you the chance to do that for your life, because boy, we need to. Big time, we need to shut that door to the enemy and enter rebellion, because nothing good comes through it, except quick temporary fixes. But before we do that, I'm really up for taking, this is about five hours of teaching you've got in about 35 minutes. Anybody got any questions? And I realize I've gone high level stuff, and you you could nuance the whole thing, but questions, sir, here. Yes. And also on the authority Very good question. So what if the people whose authority you're under are leading you to do something against God's word? You don't do it. But it's how you don't do it. If you have a rebellious heart, you will do it in a rebellious way. And you will ferment rebellion. But you can say, so biblical principles, number one, you go and talk to them. It's what Paul did with Peter in the the council back in Jerusalem. He challenged Peter to his face because Peter was wrong. But he talked about it. He didn't just go and talk to his mates and then separate off. So you have the principle of appeal in Scripture. Go and talk to the authorities Talk to them, discuss it with them, challenge them if necessary. Now, depending on what it is, if it's, I actually prefer um, 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 Bethel songs to Hill songs, and so I would much prefer to have Bethel songs in this church. That's pure matter of opinion and preference. That is not a biblical principle. You sing whatever songs are being led and you do it with a good heart. But if it's an unbiblical principle like the church in, in Germany, in the 40s and 30s, you say, I'm not going to do it. At which point, you have the, the one thing you cannot do is stay in a body of Christians under, with disagreement with the, authority, the leadership over a key issue and then grumble. Disaster for everybody. You may need to remove and move on. But it's got to be over biblical principles, not over preference principles. I, I want an 11 o'clock service, not a 10.30. And all that stuff that churches get into complete disaster ever. You know, because I've been in church for very long, you'll know we get ridiculous half the time. So, yeah, we don't just do things because authority tells us. We may need to stand and say, no, thus far, no further. Absolutely. Sir? There are matters uh, like politics, for example. Yep. Yep. Brexit. Anyone not got heard about Brexit? Anybody? I think Theresa May is getting it all wrong over Brexit. I think Theresa May is doing a wonderful yes. job Brexit. Yes. You know, um, you can't say she's being unbiblical. Nope. But I also don't have a voice. Nope. There's too, there's too much padding between Yes. Yes. Your discussion around the coffee table, pulling it all to pieces, just doesn't do any good pretty much to anybody, does it? Do we do? Yes. If you're serious about it, number one, you pray for her. 
and you pray for the government, whether you are whatever political party you are, Scripture says pray for those in authority. You pray for them. Because the, for whether you like it or not, they're in authority at this time, and these are the people under, you are under. Two, you involve yourself in the political process, and you work for change. Sitting around and gossiping and just ranting off because it gives you a good moment's kick, because you can have your view, that is just flesh and sin. And we're all doing it all the time in this nation right now around coffee tables and over beers at the pub, and everyone's got their view. Does no good. Pray, and if you're serious, get involved in the process. But a lot of time we just talk to stop, like to make it look like we still matter without actually getting involved in the process. And if you don't get involved in the process, be quiet. Just stop talking. You're not doing any good. Pray. That's hard for us because well, I've got my right to my view and right to my opinion. Yes, you do. But maturity is knowing when to speak and when to shut up. On not just that view, but an awful lot of other views. C.S. Lewis never read the newspapers. Did you know that? He said, if it's important enough, it'll come to me. And part of our problem now is we're all so media-saturated, we've got to have a view on about 55 different things. And frankly, most of the time, we're talking a load of nonsense because we don't know what we're talking about. So be wise about what you talk about. Be wise who you talk about. And if you'll submit your heart to the Lord, you'll find that you'll talk less rather than more. Scripture says, where words are not, where words are many, sin is not absent. Doesn't mean we can't talk. Boy, you should be wise about how you do talk. Yes. No, you should feel injustice and you should pray about it and you should write letters and you should get involved in the process. But you can't get involved in every process or every problem there is under the sun. So go after one and do it well. We should thoroughly get involved in the process. This is not about staying outside the process. It's the heart you bring with it. Jesus did not do everything the Pharisees wanted him to do. You notice that. But he didn't do it out of a spirit of rebellion. This really all depends fundamentally where your heart is. And do you know how you can generally tell whether it's rebellion? There's anger. There's anger just around it. Doesn't take long to get the anger. And that's when you can generally tell quite quickly that your offense and your ego and your pride has been got. And we often, by and large, humans react to, to not getting what they want with anger. So that's one of the tells we can have. One more question, sir. I'm not going to answer that. We pray for her who is an authority. She's our prime minister. Um, 
That's, so we pray for her and we pray for that. We pray. We want to be people who are for. And when we're against, we've got to make darn sure we're on biblical grounds when we're against, not preferential grounds. I had someone recently pray that Theresa May would be removed within a week of office. And I'm like, you can't pray that. That's pure witchcraft. That's manipulative, controlling, judgmental prayer. That's witchcraft. Scripture says, do you know that when Saul says to Samuel, Samuel says to King Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. The enemy flows through rebellion to bring destruction. So we've all got to really wake up to this stuff. And uh, we, we, do, we, we have some worksheets which we have like little tick boxes with ways we operate in rebellion because it's incredibly helpful to stop and go, wow, I do that. Oh, I do that. I never thought about that as rebellion. And if you want to have one of those and do some work on it, Adam's got them. But maybe it's something you'll do some more work on because this is, this is such a big topic to, to try and do it in 40 minutes. It doesn't do it justice. But I think it's simple enough at one level and then complex at another level. But the complexity is often because we don't want to, because the rebellion doesn't want to come under. So we're finding a hundred reasons why we don't have to be submissive. So it's a bit of a self-repeating thing if we haven't submitted our heart and God. Now let me just finish by saying this. When I submit under my bishop or I submit under, under someone's authority who's over me, my submission is fundamentally trusting God who is over them all. I'm trusting God, the authority of authorities, the king of kings, the one to whom I look to, to ultimately be the authority structure over my life, even when I'm under people's authority. And that is a place for us where we actually find a fundamental place, place of confidence and peace. If we were in a totalitarian regime, that we were in North Korea and talking about this, this would be quite a different discussion. We're not. We are very privileged and very blessed to be in a, this culture that we're in with all its mistakes and faults and failures. We are very blessed. So we just got to reflect that in how we talk, how we pray, and how we honor those who are around us, be it our policemen or our teachers or our, uh, our judges or uh, the person in the shop whose shop it is. That's their authority. You go, every time you go into a shop, you walk into their authority realm. Wherever we go, we treat people with respect and honor where they have authority. And that becomes a very significant thing in the spirit for you. It's going to be deeply linked to how you see people healed and restored when you pray for them or share the gospel. Because if you want to carry that anointing, you've got to submit, yield your heart to God and to the people around you. So we're going to pray, because this is a good moment to kind of draw a line. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord in 1980 in a coffee bar. I can, I can pretty much remember the same, same experience when I chose to submit my heart and understood this teaching and dealt with the rebellion. I said, okay, God, I'm no longer going to be a rebel. It was very painful because it was so in me, aged in my 30s as a Western man, that independence and self-sufficiency was my thing. And actually it was just a culturally acceptable form of biblical rebellion. So, 
Rather than asking people to stand and then some people sit and then everyone wonders what the people are sitting for and, and it's also slightly embarrassing, why don't we all stand for a moment? The Holy Spirit will teach you if you yield your heart. He'll show you how to walk this out. Because 99% of the time, it's really very straightforward. So if you're up for it tonight and you want to do this, what we're going to do very simply, what stuff we teach on Living Free is, I repent of my sin. I receive God's forgiveness. I rebuke the enemy. And then I realign my heart towards the Lord. This sets up an extraordinary transaction in the heavens, enables you to shut doors that have been opened all your life and even down your family generational lines. So some of you tonight, rebellion has just flowed down through your families from generation to generation to generation. And Lord's saying, now it's time to stop it. But we're going to make it very, very simple. So if you want to pray with me, and please don't pray unless you mean it, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in meaning it because it's, it's a little, it, no doubt it, it, it's, it's a challenging thing to pray. But push past your feelings and dare to do truth with God tonight. In which case, friends, pray this with me and I will just lead us. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent tonight of my rebellion my distrust of authority, undermining authority, and dismissing authority. Father, I am so sorry that I've played the enemy's game, and I repent tonight. I just receive the Lord's forgiveness. His blood cleanses us from all sin. His blood takes away the power of the enemy and seals us in his truth. Now let's choose life and choose truth tonight. Pray this with me. I choose tonight to set my face towards obedience submission, and the honoring of authority, honoring God's authority, and honoring human authority that God has delegated. Lord, we ask for help. And now let's do the spiritual warfare bit. In the name of Jesus Christ, with our authority in him, we renounce and rebuke the spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus. We command you far from us to come off our thinking and our emotions and our choices 
and we embrace the submission of the Lord and said, every evil spirit assigned against my life under the feet of Jesus Christ and I crush it under my heel. And I'm just going to encourage you to do that. So the scripture says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. So I want you to, as if that, that scheme of the enemy was like a serpent, I want you to literally crush under your heel. Just for a moment or two, the next 10 seconds, you just go ahead and do some crushing, because there's this need to actually exercise your authority. Enemy, you are under our feet in Jesus' name. Now just open up a heart to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you flow into our thinking, into our hearts, into our minds? Would you reshape and rewire us? Would you reset us with the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ? Would you realign us? In this moment, maybe there's someone who's in authority you've struggled with recently in your life. Just start to bless them. Just start to bless them. It might be a teacher. It might be a professor. It might be your boss at work. It might be Theresa May. Just begin to bless someone in authority who you've struggled with in your own words and in your own heart. Just go for it. Father, I pray for St. Paul's that this people would find new levels of authority in the Spirit, new levels of joy and freedom as they submit and yield to the living God and to those around them with a godly heart and a godly way. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Teach us about these things and lead us in these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.